Now or never, Saliba. Vieira. It has to happen fast. Jarlington made the challenge. It's a Newcastle throw, which may win the game. He celebrates it like a goal, doesn't he? Like they've won the game there and then. It was a big challenge to go and win. It was a poor ball that invited the challenge, but it just typifies Jarlington today. Outstanding performance from him. Statement! There is your statement! Gordon for the Gallagher's! Arsenal are beaten for the first time this Premier League season and Newcastle's adventure goes on. A night of fire and storm and one magic moment for Anthony Gordon. Newcastle United 1, Arsenal 0. That, Rebecca, that is a big one. That's what I want. A, a family and somebody to, you know... Must be wonderful having all this, huh? Each day is better than the next. I, I don't, I'm not claiming that I can recognise negative spiritual energy because that might make me look like a woo-woo nitwit, but I felt weird when I saw him. McDonald's. So I get there's a labour shortage, I get there's wage increases and a number of other things, but $16? $16 for a burger, a large fry and a drink. It's, it's just crazy. <coughs> Wait a second. What's with them? We're sick, so we're not going. Ha! I mean... <coughs> so that's it. Mom, I'm telling you they're not sick. I saw them whispering and plotting in clipped and hushed tones. They don't love Grandma as much as I do. Why was I not included? Come on, bud, let's go. You gonna miss me, honey? Well, I can't until you leave. Good morning, America. How are you? I'm Rabbi Dave, and physically, I feel pretty good. And I am Friar Rod, but I do not feel quite as good as Dave does. Really? Tell me, good Friar, what seems to be your issue? Well, Rabbi, as you can probably tell, I am not feeling quite myself today. My throat is pretty painful, and my head aches quite a bit. Well, that's... Not good. It sounds kind of rough, doesn't it? Although, your voice sounds suspiciously okay. But, I am glad that you are here and ready to help me answer the question, what the frock? Yes and no. I am here in the spiritual sense. But in the literal and physical sense, I have departed already to a place where I can find the temporary peace and relief that I so desperately need in order to clear my body and soul of this unfortunate illness, which I want to make 100% clear is definitely not COVID. Well, that's a relief. I'm very happy to hear that it's not COVID, because that means that with your negative COVID test, you will be allowed to travel wherever you need to go to recover from this devastating illness. I appreciate that, Dave. It means the world to me that you are such a caring, a loving individual, despite the general public perception that you are a hard-nosed, dictatorial jerk that everyone hates. It's important that the listeners know how much you really do care about people and how much you are a supportive and helpful person to work with. It's just such a relief to know that I can step away from the microphone for two weeks and not have to worry about anything. 
Thank you for that, and I will get to relaxing and getting better as quickly as my travel plans. Excuse me, I meant my medical advice will allow me to do. Well, I appreciate that glowing endorsement, that amazingly truthful praise of me. I really do appreciate it. It means the world to me. So I guess I'll see you in, what, uh, two weeks? Yes, that sounds about right. The flight back from Hawaii, I mean, the illness has a predicted course of two weeks. So I will be back after that. Well, okay then. I will see you then. Thanks again, Dave. It's really the joy of my life to be a part of this show and to entertain the listeners. I look forward to getting back, I mean, better, and being back on the show with you. And now, on with the show. Let joy be unconfined. Let there be dancing in the streets, drinking in the saloons, and necking in the parlor. So, yeah, Rod, uh, not feeling great, so... There you go. He actually is feeling reasonably well, because Newcastle, as you heard, beat Arsenal. This is kind of a big deal, I guess, in the world of the Premier League. Don't really care myself, but I care about Rod enough that I was actually willing to watch the the last, I don't know, five, ten minutes of the game. There was a, College football yesterday was not going well for me, so I saw that was on, and I said, you know what, it's almost over. I knew I knew where Rod was. He was traveling, so... I thought, well, he's not going to be able to see it, so I taped the last couple minutes of it for him. It wasn't a good day. Saturdays, for me, because it is Shabbat, I tend to, I, I don't want to say I check out, because I don't. Um, I have, it is Shabbat, and there are some things that, you know, depending on which degree of, of or degree or sect, I guess, of, of Judaism you adhere to, the severity of that day varies. I originally was what was known as a Reform uh, congregation. It was part of that, and there it really, I don't know that it had a lot of meaning there. Uh, where I am now, it does have a lot of meaning, and so what I try to do is I try to disconnect from the world in the sense of anything outside of my family. So I don't watch the news. I do watch football, yes. Although yesterday, college football, for me, just sucked. Uh, but for the most part, I, turn out, I tune out the news. It's not that it's not there. It's not that I don't see things flash across the screen. What it means is I don't give them my attention. I focus on my family, I focus on the Torah portion, I focus on myself to try to um, refresh myself. Well, that's what, that's what Shabbat is all about. So yesterday, we, uh, after uh, football was over, after the Newcastle game was over, after some lunch, and, and Cammy and I had a little cookout, and Although it was kind of weird because it was pouring rain, so but we did. Um, so then I went to a hockey game. My 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 grandson plays ice hockey, which I I can't tell you how much that has done for me personally. I love the game of hockey, and 
for probably the past 10 years, well, since 2017. Was it 2017? No, that can't be right. 20, 2010 was the last last time I played. Since 2010, so for the last 14 years or so, it's been very depressing for me, hockey has been, because I I so desperately want to play. I, I My head says, you can still play, and my body laughs at me and says, no, you can't. And so it's hard to watch it because I, I want to be out there, and look, I'm not a professional player by any sense of the imagination, but I am, I was, I'm not anymore. I am a lower level gold, upper level silver class player. And I enjoyed the game. I loved it because it was such a, such a stress reliever. It was such a workout. It was just, it was fun. And I missed it. And and so I'd actually gotten to the point, and I've, I've talked to folks in the past about this, that, that I can't even watch it on TV because... It just depressed me. But then my grandson started playing, and um, I've been to three or four of his games now, and it's fun to watch. I mean, it really is. They're, they are not a great team, but they sure try hard. And last night they actually scored a goal, which was fantastic. Uh, it was kind of funny because my watch, my, my Apple Watch does this thing where you know, it tells you if the if the uh, environment is too loud for you, and when they scored the goal, my watch binged at me said, oh, you're exceeding 90 decibels. you got to be careful. Don't do that for very long. So I thought that was great. Anyway, my grandson has, for some reason, taken after Grandpa. He ended up with two penalties last night, one of which was a bad penalty. He shouldn't have done that. But the other one I didn't really have a problem with. He uh, he didn't play poorly. He played pretty good, and uh, but it's it's just fun to go and watch. And now I'm looking at tickets for not the Kraken because the Kraken tickets you can't you can't crack a Kraken ticket for under a hundred bucks. Uh, but we do have a, a Canadian Hockey League team, minor league uh, team here, developmental league team you know, over in over in they're called the Seattle Thunderbirds. They play in Kent. Um, and their tickets are much more reasonably priced. So I am looking at maybe taking him to a game for the holidays. We'll see what happens uh, in the future. I miss going to the rink. I really do. It was a lot of fun. So as I was saying, I just kind of checked out. I don't really pay a lot of attention to things. And so when I got up this morning, uh, it was kind of time to catch up on the news, which immediately caused me some concern because the news, I don't, look, I, I know most conservatives feel this way. I get it. I, I know most conservatives act as if the media is the enemy and we're not supposed to trust the enemy. We're not supposed to trust the media. I get all that. Um, some of it I find, I don't know, absurd. The media isn't any different than it's always been. It's it's muckracking. The media is interested in selling papers and or advertisements and or, you know, clicks. That's what they're about. And once you take that approach, you start to understand some of the things that they do a little bit differently. But I was surprised when my Twitter feed, my 
my social media news feeds were full of reports about what happened in Washington, D.C. yesterday and last night. But none of the news shows that I watch and very few of the news aggregators on the line had anything about it at all. In fact, Google News, which I realize is Google, I get it, uh, but, you know, it's a starting point. Let's see. Top stories. You ready? U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken meets with Palestinian Authority President. Uh, Israel Defense Forces escalate attacks. Uh, Blinken meets with Abbas. Trump leads Biden in nearly every battleground state. Now, by the time you get through all that, let's see. USS Nimitz sailor died by suicide. Kitsap home prices have risen. Yay. Kind of. Um, I mean, that's good good in one sense, bad in another. Uh, Sunday morning, Saturday morning storms flood basement. Uh, here and we had a big storm yesterday. But it's before you get through all of that, before you finally get to the thousands of protesters gather in D.C. to call for a ceasefire in Gaza. That's the headline from ABC News. But of course, that's not even close to the story. Did you see the things that happened in Washington, D.C. last night? Did you see that Palestinian protesters, people who support Hamas, people who support murdering people, people who support the idea that from the river to the sea, they will eradicate the Jews, people who have it written in their their version of the Constitution that Jews must be eradicated, went to our Capitol last night and tried to storm the White House. Very, what's the word for it? Oh yeah, January 6th-ish. Were there arrests? Will there be trials? Will there be a congressional investigation into this? Will people be sent away for 17 to 22 years in solitary confinement for this? Or will we just ignore it? Not only did they try to storm the White House, they were chanting death to Biden or some variation thereof. Again, I'm an American. I did not vote for Joe Biden. I can't imagine the circumstances in the history of the world that would cause me to pick up my paper ballot and go, yeah, Joe Biden, he's the guy that can get this done. I can't even imagine anything that would cause me to think that Joe Biden was the right man for any job let alone President of the United States. I would never, ever, ever vote for Joe Biden. If Joe Biden was running against Joseph Stalin, I would sit the election out. I wouldn't vote for either of them. If he was running against Hillary Clinton, I would sit it out. There is no person who wants to be President of the United States less qualified to be that than Joe Biden. Period. That said, as an American, as a veteran, as someone who loves the Constitution, loves this country, and some of the things we're going to talk about a little bit later, the idea of people standing on the freaking Pennsylvania Avenue in Washington, goddamn D.C., chanting death to Biden, death to America, should be a wake-up call. We should be standing up right now this morning going, what the hell just happened? Why aren't these people in jail? 
why aren't these people being, you know, treated as January 6th insurrectionists? Why aren't they... How did we get to this point where this is happening? How did we reach the point? In the 1930s, folks... I hate to... That's one of the things I'm working on, is changing directions in the middle of sentences. Sorry. But in the 1930s, do you understand that when Adolf Hitler came to power in Nazi Germany, there were groups of Americans who were Nazis. They belonged to the American Nazi Party, and they held huge rallies here in the United States. They bought radio time. They never never marched on the White House and screamed death to Roosevelt. They never did that. I'm not advocating for what they did because they were vile people, in my opinion. But they had a right to free speech, and I don't have a problem with that. Once you put your hands on that fence and start shaking it, once you... Once you make it clear that if the only th- that if it were possible for you to do so, you would scream across there and murder the president of the United States for disagreeing with you politically. I think we've hit, you know, that that checks the definition of insurrection to me. But I'm wondering how many Americans are waking up this morning, either a seeing that and realizing we have crossed the Rubicon, or b aren't seeing it at all. Because the media coverage says thousands of protesters gather in D.C. to call for a ceasefire in Gaza. Hmm. Is that what they were doing? I'm appalled. I'm, I'm concerned. I am worried about the future of this country. I am concerned about it not just from a communist standpoint, but I'm concerned about it now from a theocracy standpoint. You understand, if these people could, they would chop your head off in a heartbeat for standing in their way. To bring about their version of Valhalla. And they're not the only ones, by the way, but it's getting to the point where I don't know what's going on anymore. I'm becoming deeply deeply concerned about it, and it's starting to cause me to worry quite a bit. And I'm thinking maybe, maybe, maybe it's time to start making sure things are in the right place to defend myself. I am Jewish. I am proudly and militantly Jewish, and I will continue to be. And I say that to anybody who thinks that that should be the cause of my death. If you manage to kill me, well, the final words on my my lips will be Shema Israel. I still win. Good luck. We'll be right back.
Welcome back. I'm Rabbi Dave. Fire Rod. A little under the weather today. <laughs> Hopefully you get that joke by now. He is actually sick, which is kind of funny, but it's not really the reason that he's not here. At any rate, I've been thinking a lot about this lately, and one of the things that I'm thinking about is the similarity between the United States of America in 2024 CE and Rome in the first century BCE and the first century CE, and the the changeover from the Roman Republic to the Roman Empire. Now, I have spent most of my life thinking a certain way, because I am a Federalist in the sense of the 1788s, I tend to look at things from a Federalist standpoint, because that's the framers of this Constitution thought that way, the founders of this country thought that way. I'm sure that if I could sit down with Charles Holt and talk to him about it, Ebenezer Bowman and talk to them about it, they would think the same way. I'm not a historical revisionist. I need to make that clear. I don't believe you just change history. You don't just change the interpretation of history. That doesn't mean that there aren't things to look at and things to learn. So consider this, and this is where a kind of a starting point. Consider this. Is there anybody who would seriously disagree with the argument that the Roman Empire was the catalyst for the spread of Christianity? Anybody? Agree? Disagree? WTF WTF at whatthefrock.org. Now, based on my experience in life, I think that most people who study history at all agree with that. In fact, I've sat in Sunday school classes where that has been taught because, you know, the Roman roads and things like that. But it's more than just the Roman roads. And rarely do we affect, discuss the effect of the Roman Republic that might have had on that same spread of Christianity. Because generally speaking, under the Republic, the spread of Christianity would have been much less likely. It would have been severely restricted because of the different ways that the Republic and the Empire looked at things. When the Empire was was coming about, the Republic was still there. The Republic had some sense of freedom of religion, but it was not tolerated in totality. You still, it didn't, in, 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 the, in the Republican era, you worshipped the Roman gods, and if you didn't worship the Roman gods, you were not going to be a Roman citizen, which meant that you could not travel, which meant that you couldn't, you didn't have the freedoms that a Roman would have. But the empire, under starting under Augustus, or Octavian, but in, in most historians, we... We make that changeover with him. We call him Augustus. The empire is seeking internal stability that had lacked in the last decades of the Roman Republic. And because they were looking for that internal stability, they were more willing to tolerate more religious freedoms. That seems counterintuitive because as we look at what's happening in our country today, It's religious extremism that seems to be breaking us apart. But the the, the empire didn't see it that way. They saw it as if we allow these people to worship the way they choose to, they will be better citizens. 
This is taking after the person who they revered the most. You have to understand that the Roman Empire loved Alexander the Great. They thought Alexander the Great was the bee's knees. And Alexander the Great was known to have done this. In fact, there were Jews who served in Alexander's army. What drove that, though, was less about pure religious motives and more of a change in philosophy amongst people. Prior to the first century of the BCE era, the Roman tradition and much of the world's tradition was a funeral pyre. When someone died, you burned their body. But there are religious beliefs rising in the first century of the BCE era that cause a change in that. This idea of the resurrection of the body, not the Christian idea, is becoming more and more emphasized throughout the the world, and particularly the Roman Republic. These belief systems emphasize preservation of the body for the afterlife. It's important to do that. This is very much like... Um, very much like the pharaohs. It's it's almost Egyptian in its intensity. And the result is, and we don't have time to go through the whole thing, but the result is that burial becomes far more prominent after the turn or at the turn of the calendar from BC to AD, BCE to CE, whichever you prefer. The burials become far more prominent. And as the empire takes hold, resurrection becomes a general belief of pretty much all the faiths in the empire. Whether you believe in Zeus, whether you believe in Mithraeus, whether you, whether you believe in Christianity, whether you believe in Jew, it's almost as if everyone has this general belief. And it's that general belief in resurrection, which along with the roads, along with tolerance, leads to this spreading of Christianity throughout the empire. That could not have happened under the Republic. But under the empire, which we generally consider to be bad, it does. Now, when we talk about the people who framed and founded this country, we need to understand that they loathed the Roman Empire. They think nothing good of it. They think nothing about it that's positive. They don't, they don't look at the Roman Empire, you know, these, these memes making the rounds these days about how, how men think constantly about the Roman Empire. And I'm discovering that may be more and more true a little bit, but the framers and founders of this country, they hated the Roman Empire. Everything they argued, everything they believed, everything they built is based on the ideals of liberty and freedom, which are Republican ideas that come from the Roman Republic and, to some degree, the Greek democracy. But there are some who will argue with you that individual liberty and freedom was at a level that was higher in the empire than it ever was in the Republic, the Roman. If you were to go to Pompeii today, you would see great examples of this. And again, I don't have time to go through the whole thing, but you see in Pompeii a typical Roman first century city. Yes, there is slavery. Yes, there is misogyny. Take those off the table. There is also great upward mobility. In other words, in Rome, under the empire, 
it is not just possible, but it's almost common to become, to go from being a poor person to being a reasonably comfortably wealthy person. The houses that are built are very comfortable. There are freedoms that we often think about, things like travel. You can travel wherever you want to go. You can do whatever business you want to do. You can marry whomever you choose to, as long as, you know, they agree and the the customs are respected and so on and so on. It is arguable that individual liberties and freedoms were higher in the empire than they were under the republic. But the trade-off was it was a monarchy with an empire, with an emperor. And the emperors were, boy, they're the wild cards in all this. Some of these emperors were very, very good. Augustus being probably the greatest example of it, because Augustus is actually, he is in many cases referred to as the perfect solution to the problem, what he, what he accomplished. The trade-off is, of course, that there were some really bad emperors. I think we're all familiar with Caligula. We're all familiar with some of the other issues that went on. There were some really bad emperors, and by bad, I, I mean batshit crazy ones. But the vast majority of them were, what's the term the kids use these days? Mid. I prefer the term meh. But they were just unremarkable unremarkable it's a question that you look at now and you go well considering what's happening to us I'm wondering if the inherent flaws in our system the Republican system which have led to many of the similarities to the Roman Republic in 44 BCE the first century, last century of the Roman Republic. I'm wondering if those problems aren't inherent flaws in Republican systems. And I'm wondering if it was the wisest thing to move, to do, to base our system then on those flawed systems because we didn't study the replacement systems. Could we have secured liberty in the United States of America as did Rome, using a monarchical system rather than a purely republican system. It's a question that I find resonating in my head right now. The flaws of a republican government can be boiled down to one thing, and that is they depend the, the success of a republican government depends upon a singular thing, and that is the virtuous citizen body, which is literally the first thing to go under a Republican system. You could argue that our virtuous citizenry died in 1792. The final thing that kicks into this for me is that the biggest problem with the Roman Empire wasn't that you had some BSC emperors or anything like that. The biggest problem with stability in the Roman Empire was they had no system, established system for succession. And what do I mean? When Queen Elizabeth died 
everybody knew that Chuck was going to become king. When Chuck dies, we all know William becomes king. When William dies, we all know his son becomes king. We understand these things. But in the Roman system, there was no definitive system of succession. There was no, you know, who's next in line to be emperor. You know, what's, what's the joke about, you know, be 33rd in line for, for the king, for the crown? It was none of that. Theoretically, the emperor would name his successor, but oftentimes that was problematic because the successor would either die or be proscribed or something along those lines. But what if the Senate of the Roman Empire had taken the time to establish a system for this? What if, what if instead of just, you know, willy-nillying this, they had actually established a system? This was also the biggest problem faced in English kingdoms, by the way. You understand that? With, whenever the line of succession was not clear is when England had issues, when Great Britain kingdom had problems. Without that plan for succession, the tendency is to dissolve into tyrannical dictatorship. But even those have similar issues. I mean, okay, take, uh, take Nazi Germany. Who was, who was going to succeed Adolf Hitler if, he, if something happened? Anybody? Bueller? Bueller? When the communist leaders began to die, when Lenin died... The it, it, there was almost a civil war before Stalin was able to secure the leadership of the, of the Soviet Union. And when he died, what happened? And when Brezhnev died in the early 80s, you remember that? And then we had, who do we have? Cherninko and then Andropov. And I think there was somebody else before we finally got to Gorbachev. The only people that seem to have this figured out are the North Koreans. And, you know... Let's face it, that's maybe the only thing they actually do well. Look, I'm not there yet. I'm not sitting here saying we need to dissolve the United States Constitution and establish a monarchy. That's not what I'm saying. But I am asking the question, is it realistic that we are going to restore a republic here. Look around, talk to your neighbors, look at what's going on on television and tell me, is the possibility of restoring the republic here realistic? If it is, I'm 100% on board. In fact, if I didn't believe that there was that chance, I wouldn't be here. The key is education, the key is knowledge, that's what I do. But if there is no realistic chance... Would the transition to whatever comes next be better to go to a monarchical system, whatever you want to call that, an imperial system, a monarch system, whatever, or to dissolve into civil war and dissolution? Which would be the better solution? In the case of the empire, the Roman Empire, I submit to you that the Roman Empire not only was the perfect solution, but it secured individual liberties and freedoms far more than the Republic had done so. It's just something to think about, not something that I'm saying is. Back after this.
Welcome back. It's me, Rabbi Dave. Dave. Just dropping letters now. Kind of flying solo today. Rod's not feeling well. Seattle Times had a great article this week. Jeff Bezos announced this week, Jeff Bezos of Amazon announced this week that he is moving personally. He personally, not Amazon, but he personally is moving to Florida. And of course, this uh, this has set off alarm bells in in Olympia and Seattle about you know what what why would he do this? Isn't Seattle great? It's the workers' paradise. It's the socialist paradise. And of course, it all comes down to well, while Bezos didn't say it himself, it comes down to taxes. Here in Washington, we actually have a constitutional ban on income taxes. In other words, according to our state constitution, the legislature cannot pass a law taxing income. But that opens up the can of worms about, well, what is income? And so I'm not kidding you, uh, since probably the early 90s up here in Washington, one party, the Democrats, have done incredible word manipulation to try to change the meaning of income, and they finally got a law passed for capital gains tax, which in most places is income, and they actually got the Washington State Supreme Court to go along saying capital gains are not income, therefore they can be taxed. And there's no... There's no fallback here because it's a state law, so you can't take it to the federal system because, you know, it doesn't work that way. But at any rate, Bezos announced that he's moving to Miami, and somewhere a Washington state revenue official was probably moved to tears, tweeted the vice president of state projects of the Tax Foundation. And, of course, the Seattle Times runs an article on this talking about, well, wait, (laughs) Why would he leave? Well, a 7% tax on the sale of financial assets, plus such as stocks and bonds, capital gains. But the good news is it only applies to profits over a quarter million dollars. So it last May, Washington estimated that they would bring in $849 million in the first year of collecting the tax. Uh, now, again, numbers on radio are very difficult to to explain. They're, they're hard to visualize. Okay, but Washington, back in May, said, oh, we're going to get X amount of money. This is very similar to California when they managed to tax Facebook's, you know, when Facebook was going to their IPO. Oh, we're going to get so much money from this. And they went out and spent it. And then when the IPO happened, it was, what, half of what they thought they were going to get? Kind of same thing here. Washington thinks they're going to get $850 million out of this, but here's the here's the problem. How much of that $859 million were they expecting to get just from Jeff Bezos? And if he leaves, well, what happens to that $850 million, which, by the way, they've already spent? Bezos sold two uh, has sold 2.7 million shares of Amazon stock this year. Uh, that seems like a lot, right? 
but since this law went into effect, he's only sold 2.7 million shares. Previous years, he sold 6.5 million shares, so he's cutting back because he doesn't want to pay all those taxes. In May, he dumped uh, 1.3 million shares, but bought one share valued at $115. Don't know why that matters, but he holds about a billion dollars or a billion shares in Amazon. So if he were to sell all of that, then Washington State would get, you know, rich. Except that he's leaving, so <laughs> there you go. The prediction is that there are 700 people in Washington who will pay this $850 million. How much of that is being paid by Jeff Bezos is the question. And now the state of Washington is panicking because Bezos is bailing. And he's going to Florida where, you know, I'm, there are flaws with Florida. I mean, they have hurricanes and alligators and Florida, man, but they don't have income taxes and they don't have word games as to what income is. And so he's leaving to go there where he won't have to give up so much of his money to government. And the Seattle Times is confused as to why he would do this. Why, why would he leave? But Seattle's great. Bill Gates is staying. Well, there you go. I mean, I guess it's uh, <laughs> it's almost bizarre. You know, you watch these things happen. People they do things, and then they they're they're shocked when the when the aftermaths happen. You know, California raised the the minimum wage for fast food workers to what twenty bucks an hour. Washington State, we raised the minimum wage in general to 15-something an hour, and it's going to go up to 16 next year. And no doubt you've seen the video of the guy who's upset because he went to McDonald's in, I think, Idaho somewhere, and he paid $16 for a burger, a fry, and a Coke. 16 bucks. Now, look, we've noticed the same thing here. McDonald's is getting ridiculously expensive, and we know that. And so we have actually significantly cut back on our on our expenditures going out because it's become so expensive. I took my grandson. We I was talking about him in the first segment. Went to a hockey game over in Seattle last week, two weeks ago, whatever it was. And we stopped at a at a popular breakfast place, which I won't name, but it rhymes with IHOP. And for the two of us to have a breakfast sandwich, some coffee. Some eggs, some pancakes, $60 for two people. $30 in groceries would feed me pretty much for a week. So, you know, it's it's like they don't expect any results from this. It's like they see what happens. They, they don't see what happens is what it happens. Let's raise the minimum wage you know, double it, whatever, and then expect everything to just be rainbows and unicorns. Everything will be great. And then when it's not, they don't know what to do. They don't know how to handle it. They don't know where to go. They don't know why it's happening. And the Seattle Times is the same thing. What do you, why would Bezos leave Seattle? Can't be because we've raised taxes. It can't be because we made up a definition about what income is which is probably what brought him here in the first place, was that we didn't have a state income tax. 
I know there was other issues with, you know, one of the reasons that he came here, that he established it here, was because it wasn't California. And so he wouldn't have to charge sales tax. Well, then they got that passed through. And, you know, the more they just try to take things from you, the more you wonder, who exactly is this republic working for? And when they start jailing people for who have constitutional rights of free speech and redress, but they don't do anything about people screaming at the gates, death to Biden, it really makes you wonder about these people. It really makes you wonder, are they just that stupid? Or are they just completely and utterly disconnected? I don't really know. Because my head says there's no way they're that stupid, but that would mean it was intentional. Either way, it's a mess. Stay with us. We'll be right back. back. I'm Dave. That's where Rod would have said I'm Rod. Rod is not here. Because he's not feeling good. That's the official reason is he's not feeling good. He's under the weather. He's a touch of a cold. The real reason is he's on a beach in Hawaii. Anyway. FTX founder Samuel Bankman-Fried found guilty of stealing from customers after his cryptocurrency exchange FTX imploded last year, falling from an estimated worth of $32 billion to, you know, nothing. And he is being, he's going to be sentenced to upwards of 115 years in prison for this. Keeping in mind that he never threatened to kill the President of the United States or sat in the Speaker's chair, but still going to get 115 years, maybe, in prison. And the remarkable thing of all this is he's terrified of going to prison, according to one of his biographers. See, that's how you know you've failed in life. What is he? 25? Oh, he's 31. 31 years old. He's already got people writing biographies about him. I'm 60. Nobody's, nobody's even asked me about my biography. That's how they say that Julius Caesar wept when he saw Alexander the Great's grave because he was he was twice as old and hadn't accomplished what, what Alexander the Great had accomplished. Anyway, point of all this being that SBF is terrified of going to prison. Now, a long time ago, I used to watch the, the HBO series Oz, which if you haven't seen it, I, again, it's a very adult theme show. It's about a prison 
Oswald Maxwell Maximum Security Prison. It's a it's a drama, but it takes place in a prison, and it's about what you would expect because it's HBO, it's cable, so they don't have you know rating systems, and they don't have the F, the FCC breathing down their necks. And at times, it's a very uncomfortable story. At times, it's very disgusting. At times, it's really but. I was enthralled by it. There were some interesting characters. And so I stuck with it. The first two, three seasons were really good. Then it kind of jumped the shark. And then they tried to, you know, finish it wisely, and they didn't. And so if you're going to watch it, I would recommend the first two seasons. But beyond that, it's just not. Beyond that, it's just like shock value. Anyway, it displays all these things that go on in prison that you, in the back of your head, you go, okay, well, that's why I don't want to go to prison. Because that happens there. And you'd think that those would be the things that SPF would be terrified about, right? You'd think he'd be looking at those things going, well, I don't want to have that happen to me. You'd think. But, as it turns out, that's not what he's afraid about going to prison. SPF, I'm not making this up, folks. This is, well... I'm, I'm telling you what the guy who wrote his biography says. He says that what SBF is most afraid of about going to prison for 115 years, which also raises another issue about, you know, believing what you see on conservative media sometimes, but not media, but conservative tweet, Twitter. Remember when, when tweets were all over the place about how he had been, he all the charges have been dropped, and I told you that it wasn't true, but anyway. What he's actually afraid about going to jail for 115 years is that he, and I'm quoting here, won't have access to the internet, unquote. I'm serious. That's what he's allegedly terrified about, about going to, to prison. He maintains his innocence and will continue to vigorously fight the charges against him, his defense lawyer, Mark Cohen, said. And sentencing won't happen until March 28, 2024, so who knows what happens between now and then. But what he's mostly afraid of is not having the Internet. i got to be honest with you. For me, um, not having the Internet might be, that might be the one thing that I, that I look at, you know, going to the to prison and saying to myself, that might make it okay, not having to put up with all the Internet stuff. But in any case... It's the kind of thing that makes me say, WTF. Welcome back. I'm Rabbi Dave. No rabbi, no good friar today. He's in Hawaii, man. This is the time of year to go to Hawaii, by the way. I've been to Hawaii twice in my life, both times on the Navy plan. The first time I actually went there, the first time I went there, I was actually in the Navy when it actually was about this time of year. Maybe a couple weeks, maybe a week or so later. Uh, we were there on Thanksgiving, but we were also there for, I don't know, three weeks or so, in and out, because we were doing um, torpedo qualifications, certifications, TCPs. So what happens is you pull in, and they offload your torpedoes, and they unload a bunch of practice torpedoes, and then you go out and shoot the practice torpedoes, and if you do good at it, you... But the cool thing about this was, on my first time there, they didn't need what we did, fire control technicians. We weren't part of all that. And so 
but they needed our bunks for the civilian contract. So we got to stay in Pearl Harbor for like a week. It was great. We had a hotel room. We rented a car. We got lost out on the west side of Oahu. There's a some sort of restricted area out there. There was. I think it's a state park now. But anyway, we got lost out there driving around. It was a lot of fun. Something to look forward to. Second time I went back, not quite as fun because by then I had done something that I shouldn't, well, I should have done, but I didn't think about it completely. I qualified uh, Torpedo Room Watch. So I was part of the torpedo handling team. And anyway, long story short, I didn't get the week off the second time around that I had the first time. So there you go. Of course, the drawback to flying to Hawaii from San Jose is that Rod missed the Newcastle game yesterday. So like I said, I taped the, the last minute of it. And I am just, uh, <laughs> I was just so amused by that because the Brits have such a way of saying things. And I loved, I loved how he said statement, statement game. I got that part. That part was cool. That part was, you know, great. But the part I didn't get was the whole, that Rebecca, that is a big one. Which is the kind of thing that if you say here in America, people look at you really odd. Or you'll get accused of sexual harassment. That Rebecca... That was a big one. That is a big one. That's what he said. It's great. Anyway. Um, don't know if we're going to be here next week or not. Rod will still be ill, air quote, air quote, sick. Um, and I've got some things going on next weekend that I'm not sure I'm going to have time for. But if we are here, great. If we're not, you know, you can still get a hold of us at whatthefrock.org. Send us an email, WTF at whatthefrock.org. Comment on the Facebook page or the web page or any of those kinds of things and we'd be glad I'd be happy to send them on to Rod and say Rod respond to this because he's got nothing else to do he's just going to be sitting on a beach somewhere (laughs) anyway on that note I'm Rabbi Dave there is no Friar Rod here today but this has been What the Frock